We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. Season 9, here we come! Here's some exciting news. We've hit over 150 episodes. And in addition to a few more publications, we were also featured as the best dating podcast in 2019 by Feedspot. Thanks, Feedspot. And currently, as we speak, we're working on a video spoof that will be released very soon. Want a hint? Just check out some of our social media posts on Facebook and Instagram. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. This season is full of juicy stories as well as big names, starting with this season opener. Let me give you a clue as to who she is. Okay, I'll spare you my humming because it's time to kick off season nine right now. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Julie, I am a fangirl right now. Me We've been too. Fangirling for weeks. <laughs> We've been waiting for this interview forever because our guest today basically defined my entire dating phase. I don't know if I could have gone through dating in New York without this woman who is a queen. Bow down. So before we reveal who our guest is, let's just give a little background on who she is right now. She is in Manhattan. She's been there for 30 years, originally from Connecticut. She's dating someone but hasn't quite DTR'd yet. <laughs> And she is 60 years old. This is Candace Bushnell, everyone. Woo! Yay! Hey, hello. Candace. Oh, okay. Mojo wants to say hi, too. My dog is very excited. 
He thinks he's Mr. Big. That's why. (laughs) If you have been living under a rock, then then we will explain why we're so excited that Candace is on the show. She is an American author, journalist, and television producer. She wrote a column for the New York Observer that was adapted into the best-selling Sex in the City anthology. Published in 1996 was the basis for the HBO hit series and two subsequent blockbuster movies. That best-selling work, she's also written Four Blondes, Trading Up, Lipstick Jungle, One Fifth Avenue, The Carrie Diaries, Summer, and The City, Killing Monica. And now, the highly anticipated book, Is There Still Sex in the City, which came out August 6th. And also, you're working with Paramount to develop that into a show. Is that correct? Yes. That is correct. Is there still sex in the city? I think that's what we're trying to figure out at this point. Well, you know, interesting question because still sex in the city is really about a journey that I took in my 50s when I found myself divorced and I, you know, I moved and I really changed my life a lot in my 50s. And at first I didn't want to date at all. And then I realized I was going to have to. And I didn't even know if I could have sex. <laughs> Why were I you mean, not having sex when you were married, Candace? <laughs> no, 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 I was, but you know, then I got divorced and then I didn't have sex for like four years or something. I all mean, of us have gotten to that point before. Oh, yeah. we think We've all been there. It's like riding so it's, a bike, right? It's like a really good question to ask of people over 50 who are starting to date again. But so many younger people are asking the question, is there still sex in the city? I mean, I hear so many stories from younger people who either have less sex, yep, you know, never go on dates, yep, or are not having the kind of sex that they like to have. Feel like it's a sort of universal question. Have yeah. you heard we're in a sex drought? It's a national yes, crisis. I- <laughs> But is that really true? It is. Well, I think it's like what you just said. People are having less sex than other generations, even though it's more accessible in theory, like with all the apps. But for whatever reason, it's not converting the same way. You know what's so interesting? Because if we look back on older episodes of Sex in the City, or actually all of the episodes... The women met all their men yeah. in real life. I mean, at a, on the street, it's, at a coffee. It doesn't happen like that anymore. Well, huge, huge change because I moved to New York actually when I was 19, the late 70s, and could not go for 10 feet without tripping over someone who was a potential sex partner. I mean, I don't know how or why it was like that, but the city was filled with young people. Now, especially in New York City, no one's in their apartment. Their apartment's too small. Yep. And there's no escape. And when you put people together, they have sex. Totally. And Candace, let's go back to the good old times when people (laughs) were literally on top of each other, meeting each other in person, to when Sex in the City wrapped. Where was your life at that point? It was in 2006. Mm Mm-hmm. I was married, great apartment downtown. I think Lipstick Jungle was coming out. That was being made into a TV series. Everything felt great. I, you know, I went out a lot and I felt like I had a super full, exciting life. Just to say that it sucks now, but, you know, buried into a couple dumb kind of. Your life was pretty much in parallel where you exhale now. And in some of your interviews, you said, I never anticipated that dating again in my 50s would be the case because you just think in your 50s, you would be settled and you know being comfortable. You didn't think you had to restart again. So what was that like when you had to do that? First got divorced. It's a shocker. Feels bad. Feel like a failure because some people maybe get married thinking, oh, they're going to get divorced. But most people, when you get married, you really do believe that person is the one. It really rocks your world that like, whoa, the happily ever after, it's not happening for me. It really does shake you up. And for me, at first, really made me question the whole point of like dating and relationships. I mean, some people, after they get divorced, they're like, yay, I'm going out there. But 
I actually parties. didn't want to get divorced <laughs> and it was a shocker. Yeah. And my husband also had been having an affair with someone who was younger for two years. Oh, which, damn. So yeah. how long were you married for? I was married for 10 years. Married when I was 42. So, I mean, this is something that I think there, it's, there are kind of like two things that happen. You get married when you're young and you have the kids. And then what happens? People grow in, in different directions. And the wife often could feel like, you know, suffocated. She's just had enough of the husband. She wants to get divorced. You've got to get divorced by the time your women feel like in your 50s. Otherwise, it really is too late because really... Nobody's thinking like, hey, I'm going to go out there and take my clothes off at 75. <laughs> you know, some old man to take off his boxers too. Yeah. No, it's just not your fantasy. <laughs> so I guess out of this book, how much of it was based off your own life? Is well, you know, we're calling it, it's auto fiction. Okay. Because I say the truth is was actually so much worse. <laughs> you know, it's a difficult time in women's lives. And it's also a time that nobody ever thinks about what's what your life will look like after 50. It's just a vague thing. You see yeah. it as a continuation of whatever's in your 40s. And, you know, somehow it's all going to fit together. Give a quick summary of the book for yeah. anybody who hasn't read it yet. We have the book right in front of us, which is very exciting. <laughs> so, Is There Still Sex in the City is the name of the book. It follows Bushnell's piercing, sly, and sometimes heartbreaking look at sex, dating, and friendship in New York City after 50. And the book uh, looks at love and life from all angles, marriage and children, divorce and bereavement, as well as the very real pressures on women to maintain their youth and have it all. Yeah. I think what you said to Candace about no one talking about the 50s, I think it's because like historically people assume like in your 50s, like you've got it all figured out. You're like married with kids and that's like not the case anymore. Well, you know, the interesting thing as a woman, because there's a lot of stuff in the book that it actually, it is true. Details have been changed. And I really wanted the, the women aren't very defined because they really could be anybody, mm. you know? I mean, when you get into your fifties, it's kind of like, no matter what track you took, you all kind of end up back in the same place. Huh, interesting. <laughs> Whether you choose to have children or not have children, it's like everybody kind of ends up in the same place in their 50s and 60s trying to figure things out again, which I think is dang. What is that place that everybody ends up at? Place of reinvention. And it's a existential crisis. A lot of people describe it as similar to what happens to you when you're like 18 or 19. You know, when something switches in your brain and you can suddenly look at the world in a different way, like a lot of 18 or 19 year olds suddenly become very cynical. But this is a time when you really look at like, what is your point? That's a question that most of us don't even ask ourselves because we're working so hard. Or if you're raising kids, you never ask why you're here. You know why you're here. But when the kids get grown and then women's lives change and you're not needed in the same way, that can have a destabilizing effect. And then you need to sort of sort of bring in those other parts of yourself that maybe got pushed down while you're climbing the career ladder or taking care of kids. It's like bringing out those other sides of yourself. Like this feeling that you still need to make the most of your life and like that you have like more limited time and you have to act sooner. You know, I think it's a feeling of what's important. It's a feeling of you, you also have to let things go. I mean, this is the other part of it that's interesting that nobody talks about. You do have to let things go like menopause. You kind of have to let go of the idea that you're not going to have a baby. For a lot of women who've had their kids, they're like, yeah, thank God. But it's still, it's a psychological thing because all your life you've been told your point is sort of to have a baby, right? That's what society test says. Chances are your parents are going to die just like statistically. So you have to deal with death and loss and figure out how to go on and how to find joy in new ways. This is a good way to talk about some of the themes we saw in the book, because this is actually the first theme we saw was restarting your life after 50. Uh, you restarting your life after 50 as a single person. What was that experience like? You said you were shocked. 
first I went and I lived by myself for three years and I didn't date anybody. Okay, I did. I didn't date somebody, but I had a cubbing experience. A cubbing experience, please tell me. Which is when a younger guy goes after an older woman. And this is a totally new thing. Every woman I know who's over 50 and has suddenly found herself on the dating market is like either... 25 to 30 years younger or 20 or 25 to 30 years older. Wow. There's a whole generation of young guys out there who grew up with this idea of older women being sexy because of the MILF. Oh, interesting. And they go after, I mean, are they looking for a relationship? No, but some of them do. I don't want to give away too much of the book, but one part that stood out to me was that whole um, kind of storyline about one of the characters, like one of your friends in the book, having this relationship with a cub and basically him and his friend like pulling a scam and like pretending that he was underage to get her money. Is that something you see or do you feel like it's a little more pure intentions, like just like fantasizing about the MILF or is it malicious? You know, I think... 99% of the time, it isn't malicious. But still, it was like, you know, maybe you got to watch out for some of these cubs. And you know what? 99% of the time, you know, do they have, oh, they don't have any ulterior motives. Okay, come on. We know what I said is really just a lie. Because people always have agendas and stuff and, right. and you know, in relationships. Younger women who are with older guys, they're with them for certain reasons as well. It's usually to a life that they wouldn't necessarily have, access to a more grown-up life, and access to a life where, you know, people are more successful. They want to learn something and all of that. So but It's not like scamming, but there is still some sort of intent that they have. Yes, there could be. How old was the cub that you took in? 22. Wow. Nice. What was that like? It was was a flirtation that went on for about a year and a half. No, I think the guy was 23. Yes, it went on for a year and a half. Like, I kept seeing him. We did the same sport. I don't want to say what it is. Okay, I'll say it was riding horses. Okay, I was like, it's a sport called sex. There were only two of us in there, but we did it. <laughs> Riding horses. It's a sexy sport. Were you guys sleeping together or was this during the period of no sex? No, no. We we just had a flirtation for like a year and a half and then we did it once. Got it. Just once. <laughs> and then he left. You know, he left to go be in the Olympics. Oh. It was very nice. Maybe someday I'll see you again. And I was, I mean, there's something so romantic about it and heartbreaking because that's really the best place to leave it. Someday I'll see you again. Sounds so hallmark. So basically the two themes that we wanted to talk about was dating and then restarting your life. So while we're on the topic of dating, maybe we just keep going with that. But I remember in the book, there was this part about the Tinder experiment that you did. Yes. Um, I guess like one in your own life. What, how real was that? Was that experimental or did you actually use Tinder? I actually used it. I used my real name because I had to. I couldn't figure out how to do a fake name. Yeah, connected to and, <laughs> and it, I mean, it was true that when I, you know, I looked for men in my age range. I mean, this is one of the things that's so tricky about being a person who's over 50. There aren't that necessarily that many people your age who are on, on Tinder. And in fact, I think there were like three men in my age range. Wow. And then I put it down to like 21 and I got tons. I got so many responses and about probably about an eighth of them knew who I was. Wow. Because like, I think about like Tinder is like the most extreme, right? Yeah. It's like a hookup what about app. Bumble? Or like even like Match or OkCupid or some of the more like older ones historically. <laughs> you know, years ago, I went, when it first came out, I think I went on Match and I was a smoker and they were like, don't lie about smoking. So I was like, okay, I'm a smoker. And there were literally four men. 
And they all, you know, in, I don't know, somewhere in the South. Wow. Is this when smoking became like non-PC? <laughs> yeah. Like- but no, they they wanted me to try Tinder because they? some women, uh, the editor at Cosmo, okay. <laughs> asked me to try it. Yes, they. Like, <laughs> people out there, they tell you to try Tinder. Listen to the voices. <laughs> but the editor was 27 and she was engaged and she really wanted me to do a story on Tinder because she felt that Tinder was, was literally ruining her friends' lives. They were really disturbed about it and they were having so many bad experiences and they kept thinking, is it us? The descriptions that they gave of, of the guys on Tinder were horrifying. I never, what men said about other men on Tinder was terrible. I mean, I've never been in a situation where when the men tell you that other men are shitty, you're really in the wrong place. <laughs> but- men cut each other a lot of slack. <laughs> yeah. In the book, you actually seem to have some decent experiences on Tinder. What was your... Well, I did. And I met a guy who was really attractive and he was really nice. And I don't want to give too much away, but he ended up being kind of the worst case scenario of what the women had described. Oh, no. So it all played out. Yeah. So he stood me up and then sent a text the next day saying that he'd been in the hospital and he'd taken too much. I don't know. Some drug. Oh, I guess maybe MDMA, but I don't think it was that. Maybe Special K. How old was he? Was he? He was in his like thirties, right? He was in his thirties. So, were there any good experiences on dating apps, or were they all kind of like what the hypothesis of the article was? I think they were the hypothesis of what the article is. But really, the bottom line with the online dating is that it requires so much more time and effort. Than the old fashioned analog dating. And, you know, statistically, a woman has to go on a hundred meetups to meet one guy. And a guy, men get turned down more than women. I I think men get what every man gets turned down by like a thousand women. Before he finds one. So this is all very real to us for people in their 20s and 30s complain about the same thing. Like, do you think just in your 50s, there's less options or do you think there's other things that make it more? Well, this is what makes it different. Um, People in their 50s are good at dating because they did it so much when they were younger. They are really good at, you know, I mean, they can be in a bar, they can be at a gathering, they can walk up to somebody and, but they're also good at fixing people up. Mm. You know, that's how a lot of people I know who are my age end up meeting somebody. It's, and that seems to work. And, um, you know, and a friend of mine did meet somebody online and she said she was just determined to do it. She met a hundred guys and she had sex with a lot of them. <laughs> For her she said one guy was just, she said, candy. He was just too big. <laughs> I just was like, there's no way, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank if, for there, sure. if there's such a thing as too small, there's such a thing as a too big. <laughs> yes, we, we know that. So how did you meet your current undefined relationship, Bo? And was this the same guy as in the book, the MNB, or is that someone? Yes, it is. Okay. It is the MNB. And I met him quite a few times before because you won't believe who one of his friends is. The 22 Cup. Oh, <laughs> Chris Note? Oh, my God. The guy who plays Mr. Big. Holy shit. Amazing. Uh, it's like such a small world. So I had actually met him a couple of times with Mr. Big. Oh my God. It's coming full circle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Carrie anyway. was always meant to be with so Mr. Big. MNB is my new boyfriend. My new boyfriend. For. Yes. And then a friend's mutual friend sat us next to each other at a dinner party. And then we just started seeing each other. And he's a great boyfriend. But, you know, one of the things that I'm figuring out that could be different about dating at this age, people have their own stuff and their own lives. Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like with him, the relationship feels really stressful when we try to live together and spend every day together. Mm -hmm. Because... I've got an apartment. He's got a place. I've got a house in Sag Harbor. He's got a place in, out there in the Hamptons. I've got two dogs. Like, 
trying to move stuff back and forth. It's just, that feels really complicated. So it's like, maybe that part of, hey, we've got to be with each other every minute, you know, maybe in 10 years, we can do that. We're not trying to reproduce or have a baby. It's easier in a way. Your end goal is different now. (laughs) The end goal is different. And it's interesting because I think when you get married in your 20s, or I got married in my when I was 40, you really think like, okay, this is definitely going to last because I got married when I was 40. It's got to last, right? I mean, 30 years. But now it seems like these, you know, this these relationships that people are having in this new middle age, this could be the person who you're going to be with at the end of your life. I mean, you might have two kinds of relationships. One is when, you know, you're reproductive and it's the father of your children and all of that, you know, reproductive partner. And then the other one might be, you know, your sort of last 30 years partner, you know, a more, it's a more caring kind of thing. I guess like, what is your end goal? Like, do you want to get married again? Or is that not as important? Is it more just a partnership? Let's take a breather now and celebrate back to school. Why? Because most of us aren't in school anymore, yay. But it's a great time to push the refresh button and rejuvenate. And a great way to do that is a beauty routine that gets a job done without getting in the way of, well, you know, life. That's how I feel about Wander Beauty. Wander Beauty is made specifically for people on the go by offering multitasking products, such as my favorite, which is the color for both lips and cheeks. Bam, two birds with one stone. And just because the products do more than one job doesn't mean they skimped on the quality of ingredients. Everything they offer uses the very best clean, skin-loving, cruelty-free ingredients. What more could you ask for from your beauty routine, right? And for Datable listeners only, get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com slash datable. Again, that's wanderbeauty.com slash datable for 20% off. Hello, don't miss it. wanderbeauty.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Now back to this riveting episode. I guess like, what is your end goal? Like, do you want to get married again? Or is that not as important? Is it more just a partnership? Having been married, I will say, you know what? There is something cool about being married. You feel like you fit in because the world is designed for couples. Even though half the population is single, somehow still the world really feels like it's designed for couples. So when you're a couple, you feel like, Hey, I'm just like everybody else. (laughs) And then you get divorced. You're like, you know, I'm a loser. I'm at the edges. You know, people do. When you first get divorced, people do treat you differently. And, And it's disheartening, I think. I think it's when you're a couple, nobody has questions. They don't question your couple, right? They don't question your decisions in life. But when you're divorced or single at a certain age, people start questioning your decisions. Oh, how did you get here? What made you become this way? Right. Totally. Exactly. And one of the things that is, I've noticed that if you're a woman and things don't work out, it's somehow it's always your fault. Right. You know, why is you must have like, (laughs) you must have messed up somewhere along the line. You know, it's never like, Hey, you know what? This is life stuff happens to us and it happens to all of us. We don't actually have as much control as we think we do. And I think that's what you learn when you go through this period that I call middle age madness is you don't have control over a lot of things the way you, you think you do when you're younger. So with the end goal, like you just mentioned, it sounds like a lot of it's societal pressure. Like, is there like from your perspective, what is kind of like the ultimate goal from just like personal side? For me personally, like if I look at the life of the, you know, the life cycle of the human being, I mean, this is just stuff that I think about because my father and I used to have these kinds of discussions and he invented the fuel cell they used in the first Apollo space rocket. He was like a rocket scientist. So I always thought, well, maybe he has something interesting to impart. But it always seemed side of us that we pursue separate of, you know, friendships and all of that. And, And I think it's about mastery and trying to master like being a human being. And it's just about how to do things better, how to be kinder, how to be more generous in spirit 
And also, I mean, for me, because I've been writing professionally since I was 19, and I always figure I uh, maybe I'll die like on my in front of my computer screen, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I wish listeners could have seen that. <laughs> but you know, for me, it's like always just trying to get better and better at what I do. And you know, I mean, that's kind. Of, I feel like that's kind of all you can do. So for me, that's like a guiding light is to just you know, keep working and, and taking on new challenges. And I feel if you, and believe me, not everybody wants to work. And also at this age, a lot of people want to change and they want to do like uh, more kind of charity things and giving back mm-hmm. and really making a difference that way. A lot of people do that. And it's amazing. For me, it's just about trying to just become better and better and become great. What you do, Candace? You said go for greatness at the end. (laughs) All for greatness. You said something earlier that I want to revisit because you said dating at this phase in your life, you've already built a life on you you, that's individual of your boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to merge lives together. And there are some difficulties with that. And even in my late thirties, I find that as well. As I get older. I collect mm-hmm. co- hobbies, I collect friends, I collect different ah. ways of doing my life yeah. that it makes it harder for me to allow someone else into my space. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like you're going through that too. What are some tools that you're using to kind of navigate around that? Well, I, you know, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think, you know, relationships, they are about people being a lot of it is in the same physical space. Yeah, yep. it has to be together. And that is what you have to figure out. I mean, to me, like that's, and it's, you know, for a lot of people, maybe it's a dumb reason to get married, but like, if you can make that commitment and then you get your own, you've got to, you've got to get a shared space. It's like, you've got to start new in a new space with that person and build up things together. I mean, I think it really is like a married at first sight. Like all of those exercises that they have those couples do. I don't know if you've ever watched that show, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know, I always watch that show because I think that is so smart and there should be people out there training us how to have relationships. I mean, when I was in my early twenties, you know, you start working on having relationships right away. Like sometimes the relationship, it lasts for two months. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. you kind of get work up to six months and then you have a relationship that lasts for two years and you have a couple of relationships that last for two years, but you learn. Yep. And yep. it seems so crazy to me to take people who are living on their own and suddenly say, bam, you're in a relationship and you know, you basically just thrown out there like, you know, in the middle of the ocean in a sense. And I just, I feel like we actually need, like, how do you really partner with someone? Totally. How do you bring up those difficult conversations about who's going to do what? I don't want to end up having to pick up someone's stuff and be pissed off at them or vice versa. That resentment. But then at the same time, if you don't take those steps, it doesn't grow into more, right? Right, exactly. So you mentioned earlier that you haven't defined the relationship. (laughs) To you, what does that mean? Because I don't know. I wonder if it's the same thing as what we're thinking. Yeah, you're calling him your boyfriend. Yeah. So that seems pretty defined. I know. I know. Um, I guess I said he, he is my boyfriend. I guess he said that I hadn't defined the relationship because it feels fluid. You know, like, like we are, like we're doing things that like we're planning a trip. We're going to go to Portofino. He takes me on great trips. <laughs> Can't complain about that. Yeah. He's traveling a lot and I'm traveling a lot. So I think one of the reasons why I was like, I'm not sure is it's my experience in having relationships that when you have to go away for like a couple of months, I mean, this was something that happened in my, my marriage. I would sometimes be gone for two months or a month. He would be gone. When it starts to, when you start to have this thing where, you know, you're not seeing someone, it's tricky. And, you know, I, I want to see how we do when I go on book tour. I'm, I try to put myself in the other person's shoes. 
If I had a boyfriend who was like, hey, I can't see you for two months, I'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah. That's the hard part because then when you become so successful and you have all this stuff going on in your life, but then you also need to make room for that other person. Well, that's the problem, you know, because for so many years, we're singing the single girl anthem. We're like, you go, girl, you be single. It's all good. You be independent. But at the same time, we want to be in healthy relationships. We also have to allow someone else in and still embrace our individuality, but have that kind of compassion and empathy for someone else. So it is harder when you, when you are in that mindset, but also trying to like mold with someone else. Exactly. And you know, that might be, that could be one of the benefits of the midlife relationship. You don't have to be in a rush. You know, there isn't any pressure. You don't have to move in. You don't have to make huge decisions about a relationship. You know, that's what you do when you're younger. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it takes the pressure off for sure. If you're just trying to coexist together, (laughs) it gets slower. So I guess for other people in their 50s or 60s that are trying to find love again, like what advice would you have for them? I don't know that I would have advice because I think that people in their fifties and sixties, they, you know, they know what they want and also they want different things like being looks matter so much less. (laughs) I can't like, because everybody looks the same when you get to a certain age. Okay. Everybody just looks middle aged. All right. (laughs) That's just the way it is. Also like nice really matters and, Being there and a, you know, good personality and somebody, you know, who talks and, and I think what's kind of amazing, the ability to love doesn't go away. It's still possible to fall in love and to love. So I think that's what's great. So there is still sex in the city. Is that the, there is still sex in the city. And also another thing, speaking of sex that people seem to be doing a lot is tantric sex. Oh. Do not ask me why 20-somethings aren't be, aren't doing tantric sex. They should be. Wow. But it's part of the wellness and the health and, you know, tantric sex. It's not about having an orgasm. So it's perfect for older people. Wait, what is it about it then? Longer. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. What is it about? It's I need to get educated sex. on this if it's not about an orgasm. So the end goal is not to orgasm and it's more about pleasing your partner. So it's all about the guy holding back on his orgasm and pleasing the woman. And and I know it sounds so strange now, but you're supposed to do it for like an hour and there are all these exercises and positions that you do. You know, that's what sex was like 30 years ago. It was all men were all about pleasing women. Thanks. This is going to end the sex drought. We got it. Yeah. We need a resurgence of tantric sex. (laughs) All the advice that you've been giving, Candice, I feel like really applies to the 20 and 30 some year olds who are dating fatigued, who are in a sex drought, who feel like dating is like a battleground. They feel like they are against the the other people and someone just wants to win. And what you're saying, is when you, if you approach dating, like you're just starting over again, one, you become a lot more forgiving of your partners. Two, you're just trying to coexist together. So you have a lot more empathy for each other. And three is you have tantric sex. Yeah. This is a really good segue to some of our takeaways. So you may, I mean, I guess you just gave one. Those are all my takeaways. I really think for our listeners, a lot of them are dating fatigued. And actually, a lot of them are off the dating apps and kind of just given up on dating in general because they feel like they can't even meet them online. They can't meet them in real life. So I think what I'm hearing from you, Candice, is one, if you just reapproach your whole dating mindset, Mm -hmm. like you're just starting over, it becomes a lot more exciting. You try out different things and see what works. And it's not about me against you, but it's about how can we carry on a relationship together? And that involves two people. So I love what you said about get into relationships, even they're, they're short lived two months, two weeks, three months yes. that helps yes. you I mean, relate to others. You know, I'm going to say the thing about dating is, uh, you know, and these relationships, you're going to get hurt. I mean, I remember getting hurt so often. And mm-hmm. the worst thing is that online dating 
hurts before you've even met the person. Yes. What I'm saying, you're going to get your feelings hurt before you even, you know, met the person in real life. At least, you know, let's date for um, two months before you hurt my feelings. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're getting your feelings hurt, it means that you're giving your all. Yeah. So I think like that's a big piece. And I think like my takeaway this, I don't want to say like, don't put yourself out there and don't have those relationships. Cause I think that is like at the end of the day, one of the most wonderful things in life. But I think the takeaway I have is like, it's just never predictable. Like mm-hmm. you may be married today. You may not be in a few years. Um, yes. Like you just don't know where your life is going to turn. Even if you feel like you have everything in place. So it's yes. not like looking at that like in a way that makes you scared, but mm-hmm. looking at it in a way that the only person really at the end of the day that you truly always have is yourself. So it's like, yes, I don't want to say that, like, don't have outside relationships because, yes, we mm-hmm. want you to. But, like, you need to also be comfortable with yourself. And, like, if someone leaves, like, how do you, like, still take care of yourself and, like, have outside interests and have hobbies? But then also, how do you let someone in, too? Yeah, I mean, honestly, at 25, I thought my life would be married with a few kids at now I'm 38. And I'm not there. And then I think about what am I going to be like at 50? And there's no point in thinking about that's how my life should be at a certain age because you never know what could happen. And this is why I so appreciate that there's follow-up because when Carrie got with Big, that wasn't the end-all be-all. That wasn't the end goal. It's about what happened to life after Right. Things are just always evolving and changing. And I love this other piece too of like, I think you brought up a really good point, Candice, of like society is like couples. And it's like, there's so many people that aren't anymore especially with divorce rates up. Why is that the case? Like, why does that have to be that way? Why do people that are single have to feel like lepers? Like, I think it's going to continue to evolve because I think it's even come a long way. You know what? Also, one of the things that I've noticed too is I go to galas and, and, you know, charity events. And at one time, people were so strict about it being man, woman, man, woman. Um, You know, they wanted to have the numbers right. And now go and I will see like four or five women sitting together, which is always fantastic because the women always want to talk to each other anyway. That it's like, even I see there, like that's an, uh, an old sort of rigid rule that that really doesn't even apply. So I agree a hundred percent that I think it's definitely changing. That's great. Like, why shouldn't you go to a gala if you're single? You know, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Candace, have you been to Burning Man by chance? No. <laughs> I haven't, and now I feel like I go from I, Gala I to Burning Man. <laughs> I should have gone like when it first started, and now I feel like if I go, it's I. It's like I think it's kind of it's over. That's a place to question all societal norms. That's yeah. why I thought of it. Got it. Got it. There's uh, a connection. There's yeah. a connection. I, I was just curious. Awesome. So well, to- we have a few uh, listener questions for you that we want to do rapid right. fire. But before we do that, is there any other last like thoughts or anything else that you want to add either about the conversation we had or about the book? I mean, I mean, it's been fantastic to talk to you guys. So I think we've covered a lot. We have. And I think like we did cover like the big themes of the book. And I think people should definitely check out the book. I love the book. Themes of like starting over again and dating like at a different age, we definitely hit on here, which you can read up even more. And it's relatable for all age ranges. Totally. It's not just being over 50. Totally. So here's some rapid fire questions from our listeners. We can just answer them as quick as possible. See what comes to your mind when we ask you this. So I read that Carrie Brasha was actually your pen name in the New York Observer column because you didn't want your parents knowing about your private love life. What was their reaction when they found out that you are the actual Carrie Bradshaw? Uh, Well, we never talked about it (laughs) and they never mentioned it and I never said anything. We actually didn't talk about it. Fabulous. Oh my God. Very conservative, but they loved it. They loved sex in the city, but my mother did not like we actually yes. have yes. that as That's a question, so we'll go to that one. Why did and you not that is it? true. For, I don't know. For some reason, every time I went home, she would say, you've got to get rid of that Aiden. <laughs> I don't like Aiden. Oh, my God. And, you God. know, I wasn't crazy about Aiden either. And it could be that she met, you know, she knew the real Mr. Big because he would come to our house. 
Right. So Aiden was he based so, off of a real character, and then was Alexander Petrovsky. No. So Aiden well, was not a real character. I would Wait, marry Aiden there. in a heartbeat. So Darren always said that Alexander Petrovsky was like, it's an homage. My, my ex-husband was a principal dancer with New York City Ballet. Like the personality like your ex-husband or just because no, he was a... No. Got it. It was just a dancer. Dancer. Got it. So Aiden was not real. No, but he was the nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. that the universal nice guy that we're all supposed to go out with and fall in love with. He's the guy who, in the new middle age, you're like, damn, I should have married Aiden. Yeah, you know what? I never liked Aiden either, and it's not because I didn't like him, him. but he just wasn't. But I really like John Corbett, though. Oh my God! Yes. So so twenty years ago, who would you have wanted Carrie to end up with? Versus now, who would you want Carrie to end up with? Well, first of all, twenty years ago, I didn't want Carrie to end up with anyone. Oh, I mean, why is that? I feel like in real life, Carrie and Mr. Big would not get married. Feel like for the show, and they became so iconic that they had to get married. But I feel like in real life, they wouldn't have gotten back together after Mr. Big got married again. Is that because that's what paralleled in the real Mr. Big in your life? No, he got married and he moved to Vermont. It was very similar. It did parallel my life. And he did marry some, my Mr. Big didn't marry someone else. And I was really upset. But he didn't get married at the plaza. And then I didn't do that thing like, some women are meant to run free. But Darren, lo- we love that scene so much because Darren was really channeling the way we were with Barbara Streisand oh and love it. Robert Redford. In fact, we actually thought that was going to be the end of the series. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yes, because we did not know there was going to be a third season. Yeah, that was so season knew. two. Wow. So I was like, I thought that was going to be the end of the oh, series. No. I was like, okay, that's it. I, and it was great. And I was like, oh, it was so great. It's wonderful. And then Darren's like, uh, they're making a third season. I would have been so sad if that was I mean, that could have totally been a finale, though. Like, yeah, I did yeah, love I that episode, that. too. It could have. It could have been. So I guess the women, were they based on real characters? Like Samantha, Miranda, were Charlotte. they actual friends? Well, I, I, you know, I had a, I have a lot of friends who say that they're Samantha uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and we do too. And I had a Miranda really have a Charlotte, but I kind of did. And yeah, my Charlotte was a little bit, but she got married a couple of times. Okay. So, but my Miranda was, it was like, even like Samantha, like all my friends were kind of like Samantha. <laughs> like when Miranda called me up and she was she went to a party and she was like, you won't believe where I am and what I just did. And I was like, uh, try me. She was like, I'm at some really rich guy's house. And <laughs> there was a professional football player there. And she said, I just had sex in a cedar closet. Yes, you got oh my to God. here and have sex in a cedar closet because the smell is unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, my God. So they were all kind of like the people that you were friends with, though, in real life, like kind of merged a bit. Yeah, they were all merged and, and get here and get there. And will these characters appear in the new TV series or will they be a completely different cast? No, it's a completely different cast. Got it. Like in the book, they're completely different characters and it'll be a totally different cast. Will it still be Carrie as the lead that's like playing you or will it not be? No, it's going to be somebody else lead. Totally new world, but it's the idea of, it's like what happens after you have it all. And then our last question for you is in hindsight, what would you tell your 30 something year old self who's so focused on finding the one, what would you have done differently? Oh, um, you know, I would have said, just don't worry about it so much. Mm. You know, you know, you, we worry about it so much and, and could have just said like, just don't worry about it so much. That's what I would have said. That's great advice because I feel like any time, at least in my personal life, when I haven't been as focused on it, that's when you meet someone too. It's like when you're exactly. It seems, I mean, to me, I always feel like I meet someone when, I feel like I usually meet someone when I've been by myself for, you know, a few months, maybe even like a year. Yep. You know, I've been by myself, working on my stuff. And it's like when you're feeling good about yourself and strong about yourself, that's when you meet someone. And also that's the best time to meet someone. 
you don't want to meet someone when you're not feeling good because that's when you make the bad decisions. Oh my God. That's a decision of like, I so don't want to be alone or I so need to be out of my head and away from my reality that I'll kind of take anything that usually doesn't, it's not going to help. Yeah. It's coming from a place of fear and not like, oh, you're just adding right, to my right. already great life. And exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think in relationships you want, certainly, I mean, you want to come from a place of strength. Yep. Awesome. Well, that is a great way to end this episode. <laughs> oh, Miss Candace Bushnell, we are we, the woman who's, who's paving the way for all of us single and fabulous and independent women out there who are looking for love, but also looking for love within. Exactly. That's the most important thing. Yep. And friendship. Find, I you think can find was- Mr. Big, but you got to find yourself. When do you think the TV show will happen? I'm so dying for it. You know, I don't know. Hollywood is so difficult because it's always on its own schedule. Well, what is coming out is the book is out now. It's at Amazon. Where else can you get the book? At Barnes & Noble, Amazon, independent bookstores, um, yeah, anywhere. Get the book at now. the airport. The you airport. can also yes, get it airport. at the oh, airport. Are there bookstores? It is the airport. You know, you can pick yes. up the book and a man at the airport. Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think, honestly, this is like the best plane read. We love the book. Is there still Sex in the City? Definitely everyone check it out. Go out there and go get, get the get book. It. Thank you, Candace, for coming on our show. We so appreciate you being on, on the show with us. And it's just such an honor to talk to you. I think Julie and I oh are my God. Like still freaking out. We're so point. fangirling. I, my this heart is still racing. So I, just, so I, I had such a great time. I think I must have seen like every Sex the city episode at like, least eight times i would say a hundred for me yeah yeah maybe yeah it's like eight I, I see it like eight a year come on and i used to be carrie and i'm happy to be samantha oh later, right shift. <laughs> yeah. well let's wrap this up for listeners at home if you want to come on the show to talk about dating at a different stage in your life starting over we'd love to have you as a guest on our show or societal pressures that you're oh, facing so whether you're those. 20 whether you're 30 40 50 60 70 who cares everything who cares? everybody's going <laughs> through something and you're not in it alone that's the point of this whole podcast we're gonna wrap this up stay dateable want to continue the conversation first follow us on instagram facebook and twitter with the handle at dateable podcast tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us we look at all those posts then head over to our website datablepodcast.com there you'll find all the episodes as well as articles videos and our coaching service with vetted industry experts you can also find our premium y series where we dissect analyze and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums we're also downloadable for free on spotify apple Podcasts, google play overcast stitcher radio and other podcast platforms your feedback is valuable to us so don't forget to leave us a review and most importantly remember to stay dateable